and it is my privilege to tell you that today the proclamation will be shared by Reverend Jennifer Casey. It is always good for the people of God to make sure that our center is about who God has invited us to be. I'm wondering if you remember these five words from when you joined this church or when you watched others join Stony Brook. The five words are prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. These are our checkpoints with each other to kind of say, how are we doing in our faithfulness? This morning, as we come to our announcements, there are a couple of checkpoints I want to lift with you. Uh, the first one centers around prayer. This week and for the next two weeks, I'd like our prayer time to remember that Pastor Jennifer will be on vacation. So we're just going to pray her into a season of gentleness and ease and replenishment and however she chooses to engage it. And we would ask that that would be supported by God. The other thing that I would share with you is that for those who find the outside worship at eight o'clock at eight um, at eight o'clock important, we're going to be continuing as long as the weather allows us to do it, and that's a good thing. Another presence that I'd like to invite you to looks something like this. We want to help the world know that we are alive and well and vibrant and up to all kinds of good things. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be putting up four by eight sheets of plywood that will be painted white and have this particular logo on it. The invitation is that you find a Sharpie in that uh, drawer that has everything in it and come and write a prayer on it. There will be three. So there'll be one to the front, there'll be one to the back, and there'll be one at the labyrinth because we want all the world to know, not just those that are coming and going. This is also our way of front-loading that a new season of education, celebration, expanding our horizons for Jesus is upon us. And so as we practice the presence of church in its um, both its virtual and face-to-face -face style, we will be able to do that. Now, I want to remind you that we are going to be embracing the reality of our current structure of life, its current configurations, and we also recognize it's a moving target. So you're going to have to bring some extra work to knowing what is happening and what gets changed. But I promise you, the support team of your church will do everything in our power to do that with you. Each week, you're encouraged to remember that your gifts, the offerings that you give to God, are intentionally your work. So if you would remember your church with your gifts, it would be deeply appreciated so that we can address the changing times in a good and healthy way. Finally, when it comes to service and also witness, I want to celebrate the way in which the ministry called 
the uh, pa mission passports that our children have been active in has come to a close, but yet needs to be uh, offered as a gift of thanks. They would sometimes uh, chalk somebody's driveway. They would send a card to somebody who may have been alone for a while. They have been offering food to grin and donations to the United Methodist Children's Home. They've just been really active. And when I first saw this, I went, looks like a real passport to me, until I noticed that the stickers look like this. The joy of the Lord's mission is for us to delight in, and our children often lead the way. Our time of worship means that we are intentional about paying attention to God. A prelude is offered for you to center, let go of what distracts you, including the list that's waiting for you to get done, and allow God to speak through the gift that is given by these faithful servants of God. When the people pray, the power is magnified. These words are offered that you might experience this moment in a sense of the body. Maker of heaven and earth, we come from different places with our own place on the journey. Some of us have succumbed and have succeeded and found favor. Some of us have failed and seek reassurance. Some of us feel trapped and helpless. Some of us escaped peril and feel great relief. But no matter what our experience has been, we come here today to meet you in worship. Remind us of your power and mercy. Replenish our courage and vision. Renew our identity as your people. Reinvigorate your holy work in this world, for our help is in your name alone, holy God, maker of heaven and earth. May it be so in our hearts. Amen.
This is start with the capers. My name is Brimley and it's Barley. This is Barley. Our dog Brimley and Brimley. Woof woof Barley. And, and I, I Brimley. And I got a king for my first letter. My name Keegan. You can count Keegan. Keegan the king is a really important. And it's really hard for me to remember names. So every time you see me, I want you to say, hi, Pastor Mary Jo, I am, and then tell me your name again. Will you do that for me? Okay. That'll help me a lot. Do it until you're sick of it. And then I'll finally remember. One of the reasons we know it's important is because if we look in the Bible, twice we are told something very special and it goes like this i want you to pretend it's christmas and i want you to pretend it's christmas eve and whose birthday do we celebrate on christmas eve go for it tell me uh we celebrate jesus's birthday very good joseph's son of david don't be afraid to take mary as your wife because the child she carried was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. Jesus. So names are really important. Does anybody else have a hard time remembering names? I do. So we've already talked about that. So can you tell me the names of Jesus's mom and dad? Mary. That's one. Joseph. And Joseph. And my name is Pastor Mary Jo. You'll never forget it. I promise. It's just a great thing. And every single person in my family has Joe in their name somewhere. So that's why I go by both of them. I go by Mary Jo. So you'll never forget me, and I am going to learn to never forget you because you are loved by God, made by God, created by God, and a part of the family of Stony Brook Church. So I just am really glad to have met you tonight. Hello, Stony Brook Church. Stony Brook Church. We're, we're glad to have met you. Well, thank you. I'm glad to And your object. You I found a monkey and my name but, is Mac. You can call me Lucy. And your I name love is? Uh, Ella with an A. My favorite tree and my name's Lucy, <laughs> too. You want to go, baby? So, um, what I, I couldn't really find anything. A parish means a portion for the shepherd to care for. In these moments, let us reach out beyond the limitations of our humanity and stretch into the parish that God has called us. Let us pray together. God of mercy and grace, 
It is hard to hold on to hope. We see people ground hard against the wild winds of deep sorrow and hardship and weary of incessant struggle. Sometimes we experience the sense of being a victim. Sometimes we are the ones who cause the harm. Sometimes we are merely bystanders, too afraid or powerless to act as we should. Forgive us, O God, when we accept things as they are. Maker of heaven and earth, giver of hope, Savior of the distressed, fill our imaginations and our hearts with your splendid vision for our world. Transform and renew our minds that we may discern what is good and pleasing to you in this world you love so deeply. For Jesus promised that nothing shall separate us from your love. Nothing would be able to stand against the church. Each of us is a part of this church, this body of Christ. Each of us is uniquely gifted. And to our unique callings, we shall respond. We give you thanks for those who looked to each other and then to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Beautiful. Thank you. Hear these words from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 16. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly told the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. May God add a blessing upon the reading of this word. Let's pray. God, for these ancient words which have been preserved for us, we give you thanks. Thank you for the invitation and the opportunity to discover more deeply who you are. Open our hearts and our minds today to hear what it is you have for us. Amen. Names are important. They convey information about who we are and to whom we belong. Jennifer June Applegate Casey, my name. Jennifer, because mom and dad liked this name from, uh, that was popular for girls from the early 1970s. And so I did a quick Google search to find out a little meaning behind the name Jennifer. I've learned that Jennifer is derived from the old English name Guinevere, which means fair phantom or white wave. In other words, someone who is pale. Not sure how I feel about that. Now June came from both of my grandmothers, June Constance, my dad's mom, and Betty June, my mom's mom. Applegate tells you that the name of my English ancestral clan on my father's side, and Casey tells you the name of the clan I chose to join when I married my spouse. How someone addresses me tells me a lot about the time frame in which they first knew me. Those who call me JJ, short for Jennifer June, knew me when I was just a little girl. If I'm called Jay, then it's clearly someone from high school or college, as my high school friends had determined that JJ was simply too long, and so they shortened it. After graduating college, I felt like I needed to be a little more professional than introducing myself as Jay, and so I began using Jennifer. This name seems to have stuck with Jen thrown in occasionally here and there. Aunt Jay came with the birth of my first nephew, Pastor Jennifer within the fast, past five years, and PJ since I've been at Stony Brook. 
Now, if I hear the name Sis, well, that's reserved just for my mom and dad. You get the picture. Names are important. They tell who we are and to whom we belong. Up until this point in our exploration of the Gospel of Matthew throughout this summer, we've heard Jesus teaching about the kingdom of God through the parables. We've watched him as he's performed a number of miracles, both feeding and healing alike, and he's been challenged by the religious authorities. So it is now today where we join Jesus and the disciples in Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus turns to the disciples upon arrival and asks them, who do people say I am? In other words, what name have people given me? How do they understand me? The disciples answer in a way that indicates the general public has a hard time grasping onto the reality of something they haven't yet experienced because the people have described Jesus by saying John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, or even one of the prophets, all the people in their frame of reference. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus turns again to the disciples and asks them, who do you say that I am? In other words, who am I to you? Why would you give up your livelihood and your families to follow me? Why am I important? What is so compelling about me? So friends, I ask you, who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? Why have you changed your life to follow Jesus? What is so compelling about him? What draws you in and keeps you coming back time and time again? Why have you responded to the invitation to be in relationship with Jesus? What does the name Jesus mean to you? Simon Peter, son of Jonah, speaks up and speaks out from his spiritual knowing and answers Jesus by saying, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Peter doesn't answer this way because Jesus has told him who he is. Peter answers this way because he knows it in his head and from a place deep within his spirit. Scripture doesn't give us much of the underlying stories to the characters that we read about. So we have to use our own imaginations and our own life experiences to wrap our brains around what they may have been experiencing. So what I'm wondering is, what was Peter's transformation process like? And by that, what I mean is, what was the emotional process be behind his change? How did his heart come to know who Jesus was? We Westerners like to live in our heads. And the age of enlightenment in the 17th and 18th centuries, it did so much for the growth of humanity. Science, philosophy, religion, really all aspects of life exploded in thought and discovery throughout this time. 
But one of the side effects of this movement was an emphasis on heady thinking. And this heady thinking can sometimes create a disconnect between our heads and our hearts. If you've done any study of the movement of uh, the, the history of religion over the centuries, you probably already know that by the beginning of the 20th century, the charismatic Pentecostal movement began as a response to this headiness that had permeated many Christian churches. Now, I've shared with you before that I see a spiritual director once a month, and I've been seeing her for a few years now. If the concept of spiritual direction is new for you, know that a spiritual director is a trained listener. They are someone who will walk alongside you as you share your spiritual journey. They are someone who is highly trained in helping you see and discover God in new ways throughout your journey. I believe it might be Spiritual Direction 101 for the directors to help their direct ease, people like me, find their hearts when they'd rather hang out in their heads. I like to live in my head. It's easier for me to think through life. I find it satisfying, and quite honestly, it's oftentimes safer to keep my head and my heart separated. What I've discovered, though, is if I am spending too much time in my head, Lisa, my spiritual director, will gently pull me out of my thought process. She'll generally say something like, Jennifer, I hear your thoughts. Now how can we help you move down into your heart? Your heart is where the good stuff lies. Peter's heart held the good stuff. We don't know the entirety of the process that Peter went through, but what we do know is that his heart must have been open to God's Spirit. And we know this because he was able to state with confidence that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Names are important. They tell who we are, and to whom we belong. Can you imagine Jesus' heart when Peter identified him as the Messiah? I bet it was filled with such joy that Peter had opened himself up in such a way that he was able to grow in how he understood Jesus. What an excellent choice to name Peter as the one who would bring growth to Jesus' church. Peter, who watched, who followed, who learned from Jesus. Peter, who jumped in and did the work of kingdom building when commissioned by Jesus. Peter, who exhibited the fullness of his humanity throughout, through his commitment and through his shortcomings. Peter, dedicated to the work of building Jesus' church even when it was difficult. And we know it was difficult. A reading of Acts tells us about all the trials and tribulations of the early church. There were disagreements over things like who's in and who's out, 
Do Gentiles get to belong to Jesus' group, or is it specifically reserved for Jews? What societal norms are going to be permitted, and which are we going to reject? How do we care for one another when there are so many differences among us? All of this real and all of this challenging. Church is not always easy, and it never has been. Jesus' church was designed to connect God's kingdom to the world. God's kingdom is radically different than any human-designed kingdom. God's kingdom is a place of compassion and justice, mercy, forgiveness, safety, and love. And because God's kingdom is so countercultural to what we have been taught throughout our lives, it takes work. It means examining life, listening to the experiences of others, and a willingness to see everyone as God's beloved. It means opening our hearts up in life-altering ways. In her book, The Wisdom of the Body, author Christine Volters Paintner explores how our bodies are full of wisdom. And if we listen closely enough to our bodies, we can learn more about who we are as God's creation through them. We are often so disconnected from our bodies that we miss out on the insight that is gleaned through the flesh and bone that God has designed to house our souls. Paintner contends that we have a threshold of tolerance for the uncomfortable in our life. And expanding this threshold can lead to a fuller life. She says a widening threshold helps us to become more resilient, less anxious, and less numb. It has been her experience that our capacity for joy is in direct proportion to our capacity for grief. Our capacity for joy is in direct proportion to our capacity for grief. She goes on to explain, the more we do the honest work of allowing our emotions free movement within us, the greater the possibility that joy will be one of those feelings that resides within us. Friends, we can apply the same principle to the church. By the church entering into the hard work of living in community with one another, in all its pain, in all its grief, in all its change, the church has the capacity to expand her threshold. This helps Jesus' church become a more active healing agent of change in our world. This is hard work. It's not for the faint of heart, and it's not for those who want to live in status quo. It is for those who love Jesus so fiercely that they are willing to change. They are willing to dip down into their hearts and let themselves really feel. On Pastor, on Pastor Mary Jo's first Sunday with Stony Brook, she invited all of us to think and to pray, and to bring our hearts forward 
as we listen to God's Spirit, help us be all who God calls us to be right now. Images of a tomato plant which produces fruit within five months and images of an olive tree which produces fruit in 20 years were placed before us with this invitation. Which ministries are we going to partner with God to benefit the kingdom right now? And which ministries are we going to partner with God to benefit the kingdom in future generations? Friends, this fall, we have the opportunity for both tomato plant and olive tree work as we engage in a church-wide, multi-generational study and conversation around race. Adults are invited into the study, Be the Bridge, Pursuing God's Heart for Racial Reconciliation, written by Latasha Morrison. In her study, she reminds us that change begins with an honest conversation among a group of Christians. Christians who are willing to give voice to unspoken hurts, hidden fears, and mounting tensions. While many of us white people have been taught that not talking about race or differences is polite and respectful, studies show that not talking about race or differences actually isn't helpful for our children. Children as young as preschool, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, are already excluding others based on race. Not because there's a hatred toward another race, but likely because it's been unintentionally modeled at home. This is a cycle that we, the church, can disrupt. As the adults are learning to have these conversations, Children's Ministry Director Ms. Kristen will be leading our children and their caregivers in age-appropriate learning about race. And Youth Director Ben Lilly will be leading our youth in their own unique conversations on race. Engaging in hard conversations is the work of the church. Jesus did not shy away from the hard stuff. The early church did not shy away from the hard stuff. So are we going to have the courage to step into this hard place, to hear and express pain from the heart? Are we going to engage in the life-giving, nourishing work and experience the fruit produced both now and for future generations? I suspect that for Stony Brook, the answer is going to be a resounding yes. And you know why I think that in my head and feel it in my heart? It's because Stony Brook is Jesus's church. And you've been doing hard stuff all along. You've seen pastors come and go. You've loved them with your whole hearts while they were here and allowed them to love you. You've been through disagreements and building campaigns and staffing changes. You've been offering the bread of life to children in Gahanna, in New Mexico, in Haiti. You've made it possible for families in Cuba to receive the living water. 
you share the gospel message with the imprisoned, and you have offered dignity to those who are returning citizens. You have embraced the name Jesus, and it is woven tightly into your hearts. You know how else I know that Stony Brook can enter into these tough conversations? Because you didn't shy away from conversations around human sexuality. The fruit of those discussions that you all were in and that time of prayer has been a church welcome statement that all are created in God's divine image. All are sacred and all are welcome at Stony Brook Church. What life-giving, sacred, kingdom-building work for the sake of Jesus Christ. Names are important. They tell who we are and to whom we belong. Your name is important. Blessed, beloved, beautiful. This is how Jesus addresses you. This Jesus that we also call Emmanuel, Prince of Peace, Redeemer, Savior, Risen Lord, Lamb of God, Good Shepherd, the Word, Son of the Living God, Messiah. You belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. Stony Brook belongs to Jesus. The rock of our salvation, our Christ, who came for the betterment of this world. Friends, I send you with these words of benediction and grace. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors.